0: Hey, yo! Hey,
1: so anytime that you're reading a Wikipedia article, as I do, and you see in the sidebar there, you know, it's got the picture of whatever topic you're reading about, like the years it happens, the results and stuff. This is especially for battles and stuff. You have results and things like that. And they have, you know, the countries and the belligerents and all this and stuff.
0: Belligerents? Is that like the combatants?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, okay, okay. Who's involved? Or just like sides, if it's like a treaty or something, whatever. Anytime you see that little blue field with the little eagle with the crest and the compass on it that says Central Intelligence Agency.
0: Oh, you know it's going to be spicy.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're getting into one.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Are they going to be a main character this episode?
1: Yeah, they're going to be. They're not. I mean, they're not there m- most of the time, I would say. It's actually kind of on the tail end but they they do a lot
0: they do some stuff
1: <laughs> a lot of shit okay dave and dan this one's for you <laughs> shout out so this episode's going to be about the 1953 coup in iran
0: this is argo right
1: <laughs> <laughs> this uh <laughs> this leads long term to argo
0: okay i also just read a, a slightly more uh cultured reference I guess. Uh although Argo did win an Oscar, I read Persepolis, uh which is a graphic novel about the Iranian Revolution and kind of like the effects on on a family like experiencing it and it was really good.
1: Oh, okay, cool. All right, so to cover this, we're going to have to cover some of Iran's historical context. But it's not like the history of Iran. That's this is too <laughs> that much.
0: That'd be a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh our focus is going to remain on the coup that happens in 1953. But to talk about that, we'll have to kind of give this background just just enough to understand the context. We'll also eventually talk a little bit about the aftermath, but we're not going to get into, like, the Islamic Revolution or the Iranian Revolution or, like, modern-day Iran, anything like that, really. So, if you're thinking about Argo, that is later.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. That is also, I think, when Persepolis takes place. So, good to know. My references mean nothing.
1: But this... um, sets into motion this is a prequel yeah this is yeah okay so in iran the old name for it was the sublime state of iran dude
0: everyone's just like fucking cheesing 24 7 just having <laughs> yeah. a great day
1: yeah man it's chill uh this is also called the kahar dynasty yeah i think it's said Qajar actually Qajar. J. um let me try to mexican it i guess Uh, (laughs) that that was the dynasty in power for a long time from 1789 to 1925
0: that is a long time
1: Uh, essentially they started running into financial problems
0: okay like why why
1: (laughs) Uh, well they were very extravagant as rulers they racked up lots of personal debt to fund that extravagant lifestyle Uh, basically they wanted to live like very lavish you know imperialist countries and stuff but they kept getting their ass kicked in wars which you can't do both of those things like you, you have can't. to win <laughs> to be able to do all the looting stuff you know
0: uh what kind of i guess government are we talking about here some sort of monarchy or
1: yes so this was a monarchy the reason they were embroiled in so many wars was because of something called the great game which we have mentioned on the show before
0: i don't remember it
1: (laughs) well it's it's not great Um, okay it's not really a game it's people dying Uh, oh
0: yeah bad game
1: it's uh the conflict between the united kingdom the british empire right and Tsarist russia specifically over afghanistan like that's the, the center of it but generally the region of southwest asia was affected and so there's a lot of complicated back and forth but Iran ends up one of the kind of pieces in this that goes to war with one side or the other and repeatedly gets got. So they're broke. They're trying to still live it up. So they start giving stuff away to fund, like in exchange for basically selling things from their country to pay for their own shit.
0: Okay. What were they selling?
1: So 1872, for example, is the Reuter concession, which like... Reuters, the news agency. Mm-hmm. This is like that guy, Reuter. He was a <laughs> British banker.
0: Of course, he was
1: Paul Reuter. What this did was he agreed to buy. Basically, he would he would uh, pay a yearly rent to the Shah of Iran for uh, control of all the roads, telegraphs, mills, factories, any extractive industry, any other. Public works, uh, Holy anything shit. like that.
0: He got everything
1: for sixty-five years.
0: He just owns a country now.
1: That was sort of the deal. It was it was so <laughs> ridiculous, right? This is mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> that even the British, that he you know he was a citizen there, they were like, I, "No, you, you, <laughs> I sorry, you think cannot you can do, do that." that. No. <laughs> so it had to wait until 18 that was in 1872 I had to wait till 1889 and also get pared down a lot yeah they're like you can't do all that <laughs> uh right but they he still they set up the imperial bank of persia and had like a license there to do that and kind of loot the country through monetary means and all of these are all of these instances that we'll go through we're not going to go through all of them but the examples here are just uh again the the,
0: the liquidization, yeah, liquidation, just
1: selling it off to pay for ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an example of the this was the Qajar dynasty that had a slide. You can think of this kind of as a water slide because it went into the baths. Okay. From the uh, from the harem. Uh, okay. And so the ladies would slide down the bath to the. To the waiting Shah, who would be oh, like, wow. whoa, wow, you know, <laughs> amazing." And, uh, this was sort of, an, you know, an example of the extravagance of the regime. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. If you've got ladies going down a slide, <laughs> you might be
1: the Shah. <laughs> At least be able to pay for it with your own money.
0: Yeah, what the hell? We can't <laughs> afford this lady slide. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, uh, another concession was in 1890. And this one really pissed people off. It ended up leading to the Persian tobacco protest. What's that? So, first of all, we refer to Iran nowadays by that name. But back before, like the 1930s, it was called Persia by outsiders. And then Iran was like, hey, we call ourselves Iran. Please do this. <laughs> and yeah, so people yeah. changed it. All right. Gotcha. And there was a big concession to this British uh, major named G.F. Talbot.
0: Okay. Sounds like a jerk. Is he a jerk?
1: Kind of. I mean, he, he got a full monopoly over tobacco production, sale and export
0: for 50 wow. years
1: in exchange to rent to the Shah. So he'd give him like a cut of the profits. He gave him like two something million in cash. Jesus. And then he got to run tobacco there, which was central. I mean, people spoke to like crazy.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. Just selling off your country wholesale.
1: Yeah, and so, like, all these merchants and tobacco growers and stuff couldn't compete. In 1891, the merchant class started protests in the bazaars. The Grand Ayatollah stepped in that year to uh, sort of swing things. A Grand Ayatollah, this is a term we know of nowadays, maybe, as something to do with Iran. A Grand Ayatollah is a religious leader, like the top religious leader um, in a particular branch of exact. Uh, well uh, uh, it's the largest branch of shia islam
0: mm, okay gotcha
1: uh, it's called twelver shia islam and so it's it's a highly respected religious authority for most uh, uh, iranians there gotcha and so he steps in by issuing a fatwa uh, like a ruling on islamic yeah, law says yeah. hey, this is what it is uh don't use tobacco
0: oh okay everyone's going cold turkey
1: yeah he's like these these guys are fucking with tobacco don't use tobacco and people shut down the markets the bazaars they boycott tobacco uh and the shah has to cancel this uh this deal that he signed because (laughs) everyone's pissed at him
0: damn they must be really pissed to like quit smoking that's that's some dedication
1: (laughs) oh yeah the contemporary accounts anyway are like everybody was smoking like chimneys and then all of a sudden boom (gasps)
0: ah <gasps> i refused. bet everyone just like stayed home with the lights off just like nobody talked to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> everyone was so <laughs> angry <laughs> so yeah this this also cost the country money they had to pay like buy out the contract for 77 mm. million dollars not oh never my fun
0: gosh
1: but the importance here the reason i bring this particular concession up besides being an example is that this is one of the earliest instances of the merchant class Allying with the clerics and and the Mm. cleric sort of structure, which will come into play later on. In 1901, you had the Darcy Concession, an oil concession to British businessman William Knox Darcy, which was very consequential to the story because it had to do with oil. This sold off oil, natural gas and mineral rights, like exploring for it, extracting it, transporting it, selling it, whatever. For 60 years, for $2.2 million in cash, $2.2 million in stock options, Jesus, and 16% of the annual profits.
0: <sighs> okay, cool. Just just a bunch of British guys just getting what they can.
1: Yeah, it really sucks when your shaw is broke. Mm-hmm. Never fun. <laughs> uh, this was in 1901 it takes till 1908 a bunch of fumbling around comedy of errors stuff before they strike oil uh they end up selling the rights to the anglo-persian oil company which will later be called the anglo-iranian oil company uh a-i-o-c i don't know which one's going to be shorter acronym (laughs) wise or is not a great acronym or name so
0: i mean it does sound like aoc has become a sentient robot
1: (laughs) A-I-O-C.
0: A-I-O-C.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. Oh. So they, they sell them off to that. And this is one of the predecessor companies of modern-day BP. So, yeah, that's going to pl- come into play later when we get to the big shit. Uh, so the importance here is the British are getting in on the oil game in Iran. We'll get back to that. Uh, another development here is not to do with the concessions, but... A bourgeois sort of revolution Ooh. against the Shah's autocratic rule.
0: Okay. What do we got? Who are the players? Uh, so,
1: in 1905, you have uh, something called the Persian Constitutional Resolution, where the old merchant-cleric uh, alliance kicks yeah, yeah. back in. Right, they do a bunch of protests. Uh, they do boycotts. And they force the Shah to do a constitutional monarchy. With a Parliament,
0: I mean, makes sense. the Shah's pretty much going nuts, <laughs> yeah,
1: they're tired of it, and it's it's kind of it's ineffectual basically they don't they think it's being mismanaged completely, and I would agree, so they're like let's let's fix this they they uh do they elect a parliament, it's mostly centered in the capital Tehran, and it's mostly from the merchant class, yep. Um, it just Marx would have predicted that pretty easily.
0: <laughs> you know, your standard bourgeois revolution.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't a smooth process. The Shah, like, they, they transitioned to an, another Shah, like his son. I think the guy dies. New Shah Hudis uh, <laughs> literally invades his own capital <gasps> to get rid of the parliament because he didn't like that.
0: Cool. Cool guy.
1: Yeah. He um, did direct rule for a bit. It was called the Minor Tyranny. Wow. But then parliamentary forces, you know, retook it. There was this big deal. They replaced him. But the important thing here is that Iran ends up, through this process, getting a constitutional monarchy, getting a parliament, this sort of limited bourgeois democracy, which will be the system of government they have uh, during the coup that we're going to be talking about. So that's its origins, how they get from pure despotism to some parliamentary democracy (laughs) and we'll see a very small step up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's also something else I wanted to mention in the background. uh, The jungle movement of Gilan.
0: What the fuck is that?
1: So this starts in 1915 and it's really complicated stuff. Could be its own episode one day, but it's where we see the first communist stirrings in Iran.
0: Mm, I'm interested.
1: Yeah. So uh, that whole like, Subject, I think we could explore more short story in World War One, right? Mm-hmm. Fucks a lot of stuff up in world history. It's it's, it's a main it's a recurring uh, character. That fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so World War One in Iran is Britain and Tsarist Russia fighting against Ottoman Empire in Germany. It's kind of a battleground there. Fighting over the resources, fighting to protect against each side, like expanding and flanking the other, that sort of a thing.
0: Now, Ottoman Empire, where is that in relation to present-day Iran?
1: Uh, It would be... Is that more Turkey? It is, yeah, Turkey plus... It's a little bigger than Turkey. Well, it depends also on when you're looking. Let me see, World War One. It's like Turkey plus um what is nowadays... Saudi Arabia
0: okay okay
1: that sort of a region
0: What are they like north of Iran I need to pull up on oh, my app. so
1: they're um west to the north of Iran you have the Caucasus modern-day like Azerbaijan Armenia that sort of area
0: oh Google is spelling turkey t-u with an umlaut r-k-i-y-e
1: this is how Turkey requests to be referred to
0: interesting
1: and it's not getting as quick of a buy-in as Kiev, but it hasn't been invaded, so
0: <laughs> it's a good start.
1: Yeah, uh, trade-offs there, but it's that's the same thing with Czechia is Czech oh, Republic see. asks for Czechia.
0: Czechia is aren't. also updated.
1: So I don't know. Okay, uh, that's an interesting. That's that's something that I have not really delved into, but I, it has been kicking around in my head um random sidebar
0: <laughs> yeah no very random but i mean you know how i feel about countries and what they want to be called we should let them fucking decide
1: right everyone get should get that i agree with yeah you. all right communism all right uh getting back <laughs> to world war one <laughs>
0: world war one our favorite topics
1: uh so they're fighting in in iran and russia and britain essentially occupy iran trying mm-hmm. to you know protect it In terms of their interest uh, from the other side. I
0: I did air quotes, which don't translate well in a podcast,
1: but it's, it's in my notes too. So patrons (laughs) can, can find that the central government of the Shah, because of just this complete occupation of their country uh, is essentially weakened. They're, they're just there watching, you know, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. are we going to do? And because of this, they're, they're unable to really effectively govern uh, the countryside, especially. And, in 1915 uh there's sort of an an uprising uh it's the beginning of the jungle movement in the northern forested uh gilan province there
0: oh okay
1: and they demanded autonomous status hell yeah and to corruption and foreign influence
0: Mm, nice okay those are like pretty reasonable things i mean autonomous is a lot but you know that's fine i'm into it
1: (laughs) yeah they uh also though stepped it up they were like i don't know if christine's gonna like that that much so they added in land reform
0: oh yeah they knew that i was waiting for that <laughs> that heat
1: <laughs> yeah so just you know add that extra pizzazz with Love land it. reform now they want to balance it you know you want a little heat you want you know salt fat but you, <laughs> you want to throw in some acid too to kind of oh cut, no right uh, so they also were uh, kind of a religious movement.
0: All right, that's a little bit of acid for sure.
1: <laughs> they uh, weren't super communist at first, or really the original movement was not, to be honest. It was, it was more of a religious movement and more of like an anti, anti-government separatist sort of thing. Uh, but they are supported by the Soviet Union once... Yeah, you know, We're only two years out from that. So once they come on the scene, the Soviets are like, hey, y'all are cool. Uh, in May of 1920, the jungle movement's been bubbling for a while. Uh, they end up allying with the Soviet Union to form the Iranian Socialist Soviet Republic.
0: That sounds sick.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know. I'm in. It's like their own little... Soviet Socialist Republic, their own little constituent part that could, boom, be added to the USSR. Kind of cool. But it doesn't really last. It's a tiny... If you look at it on a map, it's it's like a little bitty part of Iran, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm looking just at the green part of Iran on the map, and it ain't big.
1: Yeah, this would be like uh, the... The Connecticut Soviet Socialist Republic or something for you, <laughs> the U.S., right?
0: Now, I would move to that, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so it's tiny. It doesn't last long. And it's unrecognized. It's sort of a rebellion. Uh-huh. They were led by a party called the Justice Party.
0: That's a sick name, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they were former social Democrats, kind of, uh, they were, but they were more radical. And they soon changed their name to the Communist Party of Iran
0: also good a classic why why mess with it
1: <laughs> yep what works uh so they were of course supported by the soviet union they start out kind of reformist they don't do like land redistribution like a lot of people were talking about doing oh no which causes a schism some people are like yo <sighs> hey land reform. hey you
0: said you were gonna do that
1: yeah, yeah. And some people are like, no, you can't do it yet. So there's there's this divide. And the more radical elements end up taking over, but then this pisses off the more religious people. It's fractured.
0: Okay, so it does the thing leftist movements always fucking do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but the importance here, it is the first organized communist party there in Iran. And it lays the groundwork, I think. This is where you start to see the earliest instances of this government versus communists sort of dynamic and especially in this case uh, this this royalist government this shah government versus communists and it raises it also raises the specter from the shah's point of view from you know more of a pro-government point of view of uh soviet dominance all right they're they're worried, and the British are kind of worried about it, too, that the Soviets are trying to move in. It's kind of that old echo of the, the great game from before. Uh, but now with the Soviets is the bad guys.
0: Okay, puts everybody on watch.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Real quick T-shirt idea. We just say keep it together or get it together, and it's like a bunch of like parties and different stripes of leftism all taped together to form like – a circle or something something cool i don't know what the big image is yet i'm brainstorming
1: all right you got the idea planted though
0: it's somewhere in there i'm just saying like can we keep it together for a fucking minute <laughs>
1: hey when we do we like take power in we do good country, yeah we <laughs> get some stuff done mm-hmm. then we can fracture afterward and go after yeah yeah whatever fine. go that's fine <laughs> once we're in on top all right now we've been seeing this government struggle you know, it's, it's time to make our peace. It's on its way out. It's too weak to do anything. And by this point, this is uh, 1920, late 1920. There are rumblings that this, that this Iranian socialist Soviet Republic is going to get up off its feet. You know, it's, it's a tiny little thing, but it's it's going to now.
0: Now that it has the Soviet Union.
1: Try to invade the capital.
0: It is pretty close to the capital, I will say.
1: It is. And they're worried that it's going to be Backed.
0: by by the red army yeah yeah
1: now i couldn't find a source that would tell me this was planned on the books, ready to go
0: they seemed pretty busy in the 20s i bet (laughs)
1: Uh, so they were but they also had actually recently done this um in armenia and azerbaijan they had the i mean the red army had come in to help them set up their social soviet republics uh and it would happen again Uh, fairly soon thereafter in Georgia, similar thing. They had kind of a almost civil war thing going on, but more between a more social democratic Menshevik side and a Bolshevik side. And so the red army came in to help the Bolsheviks in that.
0: So not unheard of in, in neighboring regions.
1: Yeah. Not unheard of include even then. And then historically, like it's part of something they were doing at the time. So maybe uh, I didn't, see you know i didn't see <laughs> stalin saying dear diary do this, or something
0: <laughs> tomorrow i'm going to invade iran
1: yeah but i mean it's it's possible i guess but i can definitely understand how they would think that that's maybe going to happen and so into this scene we're going to introduce a man named reza khan
0: all right Let's, what's that what's their deal
1: uh so reza khan later on reza khan palavi was a recently promoted Uh, General, He was the commander of the Persian Cossack Brigade.
0: Mm, Now, Cossack, I usually don't like that term.
1: (laughs) Uh, They're generally antagonists from our point of view. (laughs) Uh, They, uh, well, like the military, you know, aspect of that, rather. But in in terms of the military, uh, this Cossack Brigade was modeled after the Tsar's Cossack Brigades. Yeah, not
0: a great model.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, um... Reza Khan was the first uh, Iranian to be promoted to leadership of this. It had previously had a Russian officer corps. Interesting. And the guy who promoted him, a British general named Edmund Ironside, said, "Yeah, this young man, he's got it. He's the one."
0: Edmund Ironside is like somebody's first like D&D fighter name.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one.
0: It is. A little knight guy.
1: Abe Mendah inside. <laughs> he's promoted to general, and he's leading this—you know—in Iran this elite fighting force. And he's like, "Man, my government—it kind of sucks. It's too weak. It can't Uh-oh. deal with this one tiny little rebel communist province." Uh oh. It really could use a strong guy like me. Uh oh. To set things straight.
0: Sounds like we're going to do a coup.
1: This is uh what he does. He invades his own capital. He takes over. <sighs> There's little resistance. Forces the government to abdicate, uh and forces the Shah to appoint himself uh, like Reza Khan not the Shah, but uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> please appoint yourself Shah.
1: <laughs> to uh, appoint Reza Khan as Minister of War.
0: Wait, not Shah? He doesn't get to be Shah?
1: No, he He just wants to be in charge. He wants to call the shots. And he gets like a prime minister of his choosing, like, you know, a a toady to do his work.
0: So Shaw is like puppet guy at this point. Yeah, and
1: Shaw, sit back there and watch. This is going to be cool, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Sit there and look pretty. Enjoy your lady slide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the interesting things I think about this is that Resa Khan sort of gets the wink, wink, nod, nod from uh, Mm. Edmund Ironside.
0: Okay. He sort
1: of says... I know some guys. I'm not gonna
0: stop you. Yeah,
1: I know some guys in Britain. We've got you know some resources here at the embassy. We can probably get you ammunition, supplies, money.
0: Is this the guy that then hooks Britain up with oil?
1: Uh, Rezicon. Yeah, he does. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, so so now my Persepolis knowledge is coming into play. Yeah, this was like part of the early story it was explaining some of the history of Iran and like how it was basically bought and sold for the British.
1: Yeah. So remember, they already had those terrible concessions. That was, I mean, that was the the uh, Shahs before that. But Reza Khan does his own stuff in a bit. So he gets into power, helped out by the British, you know, promoted to the position in the first place and then nudged on in that direction mm-hmm. <laughs> to 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 be this strong man in Iran. And British motivation, obviously, they want...
0: No Soviets, yes, oil.
1: Yep, there you go. That's what it's boiled down to. <laughs> I,
0: I've boiled this foreign policy down to one piece of, like, fortune cookie-sized paper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he quickly centralizes power, consolidates his rule there, goes and crushes the Iranian Social Soviet Republic, other internal mm. rebellions that spring up, puts a few guys' heads on stakes, that sort of thing.
0: You standard coup. Yeah.
1: Uh, bans the Communist Party of Iran. Can't have that. Of, you know?
0: of course not.
1: Get that out of here. And quickly ends up as a military dictator. Uh, he eventually convinces Parliament to exile the old Shah, who by this point had fled to Europe because he's just like, I'm I'm not needed here. What am I doing? And uh, <laughs> they have him make him Shah instead. So he becomes Reza Shah Pahlavi.
0: Of course.
1: And his son is Mohammad Reza Pahlavi. He becomes crown prince. He's the one that people, or at least I usually think of when people generically refer to Phil Leotardo, a.k.a. the Shah of Iran.
0: Yeah, this is the one that that like seeks uh, asylum and shit later. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, OK. He's the one that gets overthrown in the Iranian revolution later.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So we got Papa Shah and future Shah.
1: Yes. Uh, so the new Shah, a little bit about him to kind of kick us Reza, off here. Reza, right? Yeah, Reza. He starts a modernization campaign. He builds lots of infrastructure, uh, expands the education system, judiciary, this sort of stuff.
0: Not bad. So hold on. Quick question. Yeah. He's not religious?
1: He is not uh
0: that's not part of like his platform. he's
1: not like an absolutist in terms of religion mm-hmm, like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to make Islamic law the law so for example, he encourages western dress he discouraged hijab uh, he allowed women to attend law and medical school uh, he fined public businesses that didn't serve women at some point made it to where in the discouraging hijab um campaign made it to where if you were going to a public event whether you were fancy aristocrat people or regular people women were not supposed to show up in head coverings at all
0: wow okay
1: he was you know pretty strictly against that uh by the close, closer to the end of his time and uh so so i mean that that kind of pissed off you know religious conservatives and stuff totally foreign policy wise he tried to play the imperialists off of each other but was Kind of too weak. He does, when the oil question, renegotiate that concession, but it's still really good for the British. Uh, the Palavi dynasty does, it doesn't take a hard line on that at all. He is an interesting departure, I think, from previous shahs because they're crazy extravagant and he's more like an incredibly stern guy, like uh, really authoritarian, even on a personal level. He apparently would kick subordinates in the nuts if they let him down he would just
0: (laughs) okay uh
1: so anger problems and (laughs) seemingly a pretty shitty father okay great i think this is i assume he speaks farsi because he's from iran they had a probably still have Language doesn't change that fast uh (laughs) they have a like in spanish uh Two versus usted, sort of a yeah, yeah informal formal thing, and he always used the formal term when talking to his son. Oh, and demanded the same as well.
0: I, okay, yeah, I'm reading a, a Sandra Cisneros book right now, and I'm like shocked whenever the grandmother makes them use usted for her. I'm like, oh, like I would cry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and another pretty terrible aspect of his parenting he refused to show his son any love or affection due to his belief that it would turn him gay
0: i can't wait for daddy issues shaw to take power sounds like he's gonna do a great job and be really well adjusted
1: yeah that's gonna be fine (laughs) uh so he's shaw now doing all these things
0: he sure Uh, is
1: very authoritarian guy. It's a constitutional monarchy, but it basically allowed for the Shah to be as big as he wanted to be. So you have a weak Shah. Parliament's going to have more power, vice versa. And Reza Shah was very assertive, so he was always doing things. Right? He did his thing. Yeah, he suppressed opposition to, he jailed and executed opponents, all this stuff. Uh, one guy he jailed uh, in 1940 was a guy named Mohammad Mossadegh.
0: Mm, who's this guy sounds familiar well,
1: he's the guy who's gonna get overthrown in the coup mm. yeah uh but let's get the rest of the previous shah's story the background here done uh 1941 world war Two. reza shah keeps iran neutral oh okay but he's more or less an open admirer of adolf hitler
0: Whoa, okay. didn't see that one coming. Uh, not
1: so much in like all of his policies necessarily, but like in being a strong leader like him sort of thing. Yeah, That's that makes he, sense. You know, he's like, oh, that there's a self-made guy, you know. But he's, in being neutral, he's also seen as being too friendly toward Nazi Germany. Germany is one of the countries that he was trying to kind of play the great powers and stuff off of, which just would not do during World War II. <laughs> no. Iran's got a lot of oil. Germany could use this. Uh, as a staging ground from which to launch broader attacks.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially
1: yeah. into the Soviet Union, which Britain had done in the Russian Civil... Like, at, right after the Russian Revolution, they had launched troops into the Soviet Union from northern Iran.
0: So Germany was like, that sounds great. I would love to do that.
1: Right. And the, the British were like, hey, you could do that to us or to, uh, to our ally <laughs> or to British India. So they were very concerned about it in August 1941... The British and the Soviet Union launched a surprise invasion of Iran called Operation Countenance and just, boom, just overwhelmed them, really one-sided. It's pretty embarrassing for the Shah. Uh, I bet, Mr. Tough Guy. Mr. Tough Guy, he'd been like, oh man, I've built up our military, it's, you know, super strong now, all this. (laughs) I'm
0: the fucking Cossack or whatever. Yeah,
1: and then he just gets flattened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay, so UK and USSR are just like, oh, we're not gonna let Germany have this, so, yoink.
1: Yeah, they just roll okay. in, they take over the place, they force Reza Shah to abdicate in favor of his son.
0: Oh, dear. <laughs> that can't be great, though. I'm like, the son's a fucking charmer, a
1: real prize. So, yeah, they're like, get out of here, we'll let your family keep the dynasty, uh, we'll support them, if you agree to get actually the hell out of the country, like exile, wow. like leave.
0: Okay. Where does he go?
1: Oh, uh, he goes a few different places. He ends up in South Africa, though, at the end of his life. Mm, okay. Yeah. He ends up South Africa. That's in 1944 when he passes. Uh, but the new Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, and he's just going to be the Shah from now on.
0: <laughs> okay. Just the Shah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: No more Shahs after him. He'll be the <laughs> no last Shahs Shah. No more yet to too. remember
0: nice the last
1: shot (laughs) there's probably a movie that's probably
0: a movie yeah i wouldn't be surprised
1: (laughs) uh he was more liberal less politically authoritarian than his father like example he takes power he does this general amnesty for political prisoners thing just sets a bunch of people free
0: including like the communists he locked up right
1: including the communists so um one such person is a Raj Eskandari, uh, who shortly thereafter founded a political party called the party of the masses of Iran.
0: Hell yeah. Uh,
1: which in like the, I guess that's the translation. It's called the Tudeh party, which was a communist party. Fuck yes. Uh, and originally that Tudeh party was fairly, mm, Reformist, sock dem, sort of, but quickly goes left. In the first elections that they contest in 1944, they put up 15 candidates. This is for 136 seats, so they're not running everywhere, obviously. They put up 15 candidates and they get nine of them elected.
0: Not bad. Not a bad showing.
1: Yeah. So that's to the, the parliament, also called the Mudjlis. It was a complicated election. I don't really want to get into the whole thing of that because it's <laughs> not worry the main about it. story. But I just wanted to introduce the two dead party kind of as a group. Cause they will come back into play later on. That's really, uh, like I said, the historical context is just, here's a person, here's a person. They're coming back <laughs> later, but here's their backstory.
0: Mm-hmm. This is like the, the last time on whatever, you know, like,
1: yeah. Or you're doing like different, uh, vignettes of each, you know, superhero before they team up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of world war two, right. Uh, You got a new Shah, the threat has passed, the U.S. and the U.K. by this point both have forces in Iran, as does the Soviet Union, and the U.S. and the U.K. withdraw their forces, uh, but the Soviet Union did not.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: And this was called the Iran crisis of 1946. Because what happens is instead of withdrawing, uh, the Soviet Union helps uh, people in Iranian Azerbaijan which is like a northern region of it close to Azerbaijan and another region in northern Iran uh with a like a Kurdish population and they help the people there set up their own like separatist states
0: doing it again
1: yeah it's sort of a replay of the Golan thing uh so in the Azerbaijan region they have the Azerbaijan people's government and then in the Kurdish region they have the Republic of Mahabad. The people there start doing kind of an uprising thing. The Shah's government's going to go like send troops, but the Soviet troops that haven't withdrawn just like don't let them go. <laughs> sorry. Great. No. <laughs> Love it. And so they're, they're Soviet aligned. They're not recognized by anyone else. They're just these breakaway sort of territories. But it's pretty short lived. The situation seems basically untenable. They're tiny. The Soviet Union really doesn't. Uh, The Cold War is just kicking off, kind of. They don't really want to make everyone super mad about these particular provinces. It wasn't the most important front to them in the just now sprouting up Cold War. They've still got the Chinese Civil War going back into full swing. Uh, They've still got uh, the situation in Germany, in Eastern Europe. I mean, a lot of things going on. So they don't really last that long in their support of that. They take their troops out, and those states are mopped up and quite violently. Uh, the Shah's government really, when their troops roll in, uh, do basically war crime shit there. The importance, though, is there's more anti-Soviet paranoia internationally. You know, it's Soviet dominance sort of thing, and in Iran itself. So later on, this will make it easier. To raise the threat of, you know, leftist politicians being too cozy with, you know, with Moscow or whatever. Uh, I mean, there's still going to be leftist and socialist and communist parties and politicians, but and they're going to face this stigma from conservative right wing forces. They're going to be like, oh, you're just trying to, you know, work with the Soviets sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. In 1949, there's an assassination attempt on the shah. Oh, okay. Someone tries to shoot him. And they kind of unload on him. I mean, they shoot their they shoot 5 times at him. And only one of them hits.
0: Wow, okay.
1: And it just grazes his cheek. Oh, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> the assassin was just, was just cut down afterward. Uh but they suspected him to be a Tutte Party member.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: So they banned the party. You know, like these <laughs> assholes you know what are they even doing here but he actually probably wasn't a member of that he was probably they think a religious fundamentalist
0: (laughs) whoops okay
1: but it was still used it was scapegoated on Mm -hmm, the two death party at the time the shah gravely wounded in the service of his country uh used that sympathy to expand his political role And try to, you know, be more assertive and and do more shit and make more decisions, right?
0: Okay, doing a dad cosplay.
1: Yeah. And Mossadegh, by this point in parliament, he and kind of his like-minded supporters end up being sort of a foil against that. They're like pro-democracy, pro-parliament. They said they wanted the Shah to reign, but not to rule.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So totally separate, more of a symbolic guy.
1: Exactly. Mossadegh ends up forming a coalition called the National Front.
0: I love a front, usually.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it, it's him, it's <laughs> like-minded political parties, anybody from more democracy, anybody opposed to the Shah expanding his power sort of thing. So you had the two death parties supporting them, even though they were outlawed, they were, I mean, they were around, they just didn't you know, make a big deal of it <laughs> or run in elections or anything. Uh, you had some social democratic parties, like the Iran party and the Toilers party. Ooh, toilers. And so these guys, there's, there's a pretty complicated spectrum here, too. I don't really want to super get into that. The Tudeh Party is the main party of interest for us in the communist lens. The Iran Party is the one closest to Mossadegh himself, but he wasn't technically a member. He liked to be sort of George Washington figure. He liked to be, you know, not in a particular party. He was also aided by an Ayatollah. So not the grand Ayatollah, like an Ayatollah. Well, one of so, the- yeah, in yeah. A lower tier than that, uh, named Abal Qasem Kashami.
0: Okay. So they had like some religious movements on their side?
1: Yes. So, and he was, you know, a little more fundamentalist. Uh, so this was an uneasy partnership. Their shared why are they partners is they're both anti British, they're both anti imperialist. They want the foreigners out, exploitative wise at least. And uh, Mossadegh desired. To mobilize the largely religious masses. So
0: So he needed a way to do that.
1: Yeah. That's obviously not a long term thing. So it's <laughs> w- gonna
0: be a tricky needle to thread. Yeah,
1: later on that will sour as Mossadek, when he's in charge, doesn't end up getting to like not getting to wanting to, uh, <laughs> you know, just pass a bunch of religious laws. That's not uh-huh. him. So <laughs> Yeah. He lets him down later. Uh, the front here that we're talking about, the national front, is important because it ends up fighting for free elections in 1950. There's going to be elections. Everyone's pretty sure the Shah is going to rig them. They're already doing some fuckery and stuff. So they have these huge protests, these big sit-ins and, and strikes and shit to shut that down. And it's clear to the Shah and, the, and his supporters that it's not going to work. We can't rig this thing. So we have to actually have a fair election, and this leads to the National Front doing well enough to get Mossadegh in power as prime minister.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Which leads us to uh, the question of nationalization, which is really going to get us into why did this coup happen?
0: He nationalized oil.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the <laughs> that's the main thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I am telling you guys, I am a very visual person, so once again, just really plugging Persepolis here because it made me remember things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good. That's good.
0: It's a really good book. My style was weirdly compared to it for several years. Um, it doesn't really apply now, but I could see it like back in the day. I did a lot of like just black and white line work. Um, it's beautiful too. Really recommend.
1: Awesome. All right, so nationalizing oil. Tricky question here, but Mossadegh taking power as prime minister after that election, the national front, one of the big things they wanted to do was to, I mean, the, the, their request really wasn't even a nationalize oil to start with. It was just to audit the books. We've got a <laughs> deal this? in place. You guys are supposed to pay us a certain amount of money. How much money are we really getting? Are we getting the, the right amount? Are you guys shortchanging us?
0: That is such a tame ask.
1: All right. That's the that's what the initial out of the gate thing is. Wow. Now, why is all this stuff stirring up all of a sudden? Now, Iran has a long history with it, but it comes to a boil at this point rather than earlier or later uh, because of events elsewhere. There's a little sidebar here in Venezuela.
0: Oh, I did not expect that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chain reaction here. 1947, 1948. I can't tell which year because I just couldn't get a precise specific date but they renegotiate their oil revenues uh with standard oil and royal dutch shell they renegotiate them up to a 50 50 split oh okay you take half we take half really good deal way better than what they had and so just a little bit later 1950 saudi arabia says we want that same deal oh okay And their deal is coming uh, between the Saudi government and Aramco, the Arab American oil company. Aramco, uh, at the time, is a consortium of oil companies. uh, Standard Oil of California, Standard Oil of New Jersey, Standard Oil of New York. The gang's all back together again, right? (laughs) Uh, Just a bunch of rich
0: guys in a trench coat.
1: And Texaco. Of course. Uh, If you're wondering, wow, glad we don't have those guys around anymore. Uh, those are uh-huh. Chevron, ExxonMobil, and Texaco. Like, that's, yeah, that's their modern <laughs> literal ancestors there.
0: Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. <laughs> that was Aramco in Saudi Arabia. And nowadays, that's Saudi Aramco because they, they bought it over time uh, instead of nationalizing it. But what they were doing then in 1950 was they were threatening and saying, hey, if you don't give us this 50-50 deal, we're going to nationalize you.
0: What happened to Saudi Arabia?
1: Uh, they agreed to the deal.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So is Iran like, I'll take that same deal?
1: Well, Iran really wasn't even that ambitious at the point. Again, God
0: damn it, Iran, <laughs> dream
1: higher. They're really just asking for the audit <laughs> to start with. Uh, another interesting thing about that deal, by the way, is that um, the companies in the Aramco situation, at least didn't actually have to pay the money. So
0: okay.
1: right there, they're making oil profits. They get to keep 50% of the profit and 50% of the profit goes to, uh, the Saudi Royal family, right, the Saudi government, the U S government said, Hey man, don't worry about that. We got that tab.
0: <gasps> uh, they
1: get, they passed a tax break for them to cover whatever that amount was.
0: That's insane. So these
1: private companies got the government to pay.
0: For their oil. Yeah. That's but so
1: <laughs> It was called the Golden Gimmick. Uh, so just, I just thought that was hilarious and stupid. That's very silly. So anyway, like you said, why do we care? Iran wants the same deal or really even less. They just want to audit the books. The British refuse. They say no way. <laughs> you're not looking at <laughs> just books. trust
0: me okay but if someone like refuses that wouldn't you be like well you're definitely not paying me when i'm owed then you know
1: right yeah so the next step was okay well fine we want the 50 50 mark like that's mm-hmm. come on everyone tried to be nice, that. and the british are like absolutely not you're not getting that either what the fuck and the crazy thing is it's not just Mossadegh and the national front that are doing this the shah also supports this i mean iran yeah. could use the extra cash this would be good he you know figures he could do a lot with this.
0: Absolutely, a lot of a lot more lady slides.
1: <laughs> Actually, by this point, the lady slide had been destroyed. His father destroyed them.
0: That, oh, that's right. Uh, oh,
1: bummer. As a you know, symbol of decadence from <laughs> the previous uh, dynasty. But
0: isn't it the Shah whose wife bathed in milk supposedly?
1: This one, uh, yeah. new guy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They He's did, got milk wife. They did a lot of. Uh, <laughs> extravagant stuff. He was not like his father in that regard. He liked to fly planes. He had reportedly, like, a, you know, a fleet of cars. Always was nightclubbing in Paris, uh <laughs> womanizing. Oh, man. Uh, very, very ridiculous sort of fellow. All right. uh May 1st, 1951. We always like a May 1st.
0: I do love a May Day.
1: The British have refused to negotiate iran's parliament holds a vote and nearly unanimously agrees to nationalize fuck the oil
0: yeah. fuck yeah
1: so they create the national iranian oil company they nationalize the um the aioc company the british one and they, they, they say we're going to take stuff over most of that gives this speech that i think is pretty good a little excerpt from it anyway Our long years of negotiations with foreign countries have yielded no results thus far. With the oil revenues, we could meet our entire budget and combat poverty, disease, and backwardness among our people. Another important consideration is that by the elimination of the power of the British company, we would also eliminate corruption and intrigue by means of which the internal affairs of our country have been influenced.
0: I mean, yes, totally. Like, if if, that, if you want those guys out of there, that's what you got to do.
1: Yep, you got to kick them out. And so they move to nationalize it. They even say, like, hey, this law will provide that 25% of the net profits on the oil will be set aside to recompensate the company.
0: Mm, okay, that's nice of them. I wouldn't have fucking done that, but sure.
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the things I love about all of the... Big bad nationalizations and expropriations and everything that everyone does is the, re- the real reason that like the foreign companies are mad about is because they've been tax dodging the whole time. You know, they're like, uh, when it comes time to get compensation and they get $12, they're like, why do we only get $12? Like, <laughs> dude, you've been saying for years how much you lose on this place. Like, this place is only worth $12, right? You know, because that's what you put on your fucking taxes. <laughs>
0: Fuck yes. I love it. I love it. They're just so used to the government literally picking up the bill for them that they don't understand yep. <laughs> like, the actual cost of things.
1: Mm-hmm. So the British have a nice, even measured response.
0: They say, oh, you're right. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling me in. They
1: sat down and listened. <laughs> uh, no. So they blockaded Iran.
0: <laughs> of course they did.
1: They withdrew all their British personnel. Uh, They blocked Iran's access to their British bank accounts. And they led an international embargo on Iranian oil.
0: Fuck, okay. Who all was in on that?
1: Well, I mean, lots of people bought Iranian oil. Oh, uh, so they just bullied basically everybody. You know, not like the Soviet Union, but pretty much the whole Western NATO Mm -hmm. sort of types and it this this so this was huge oil production declined by 96 percent
0: whoa uh
1: iran really was kind of counting on this income to be happening Uh you know and the british and aramco they fucked them over they were not hurt by this the british the americans they weren't hurt by this because what they would do is just double production elsewhere to make up for My god
0: fucking pieces of shit
1: So real havoc was uh, brought down upon the Iranian economy because of this. We're going to take a little sidebar here to talk about what Mossadegh was doing in government. Like, what was he like as prime minister besides the whole oil thing, which is...
0: It's a big deal. (laughs) We're
1: going to circle back to that as the coup really goes down. But just to give you an idea of, like, what was overthrown when he gets overthrown. So a lot of social reforms, right? That was one big thing that his coalition wanted. Uh, They passed unemployment compensation laws. Hell yeah. Uh, Compensation for sick and injured workers would be paid by employers. Fuck yes. Uh, Infrastructure projects like rural housing projects, public baths, pest control uh, initiatives, that sort of thing. Uh, Land reform.
0: Fuck yeah, my fave.
1: It's not like huge scale, really, but uh, 20% of landlord revenue was put into development funds for public projects.
0: God, even if we have that, can you imagine?
1: That's pretty good. If you got 20% of your rent back in stuff that you could use, like as a a citizen.
0: Like, yeah, my rent is now paying for like my community to be better instead of just going to fucking some guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ugh. 20%, you know, I mean, we're salivating over something pitifully weak.
0: Yeah, that's not, yeah, abolish (laughs) landlords. But like a good stopgap would be something like that. Like, that'd be so fucking cool. Yeah, And then you also have to rent cap so they don't all just raise rent by 20%.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It also increased peasants share of uh, what was produced on like rural lands and stuff. It introduced village councils for more kind of localized democracy, economic sort of democracy, that sort of thing. And instituted stiff fines for forced peasant labor. So overall, kind of a trend toward more. Not, like, totally, but more collectivized, I guess, av- agriculture. Really, what they were trying to do is steal some of the Tudai party's thunder on that issue, because even though they were allied with him, they were oftentimes kind of attacking most from of death the left. from the left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite more effectively than people nowadays say, of oh, let's just pull them to the left sort of thing. But <laughs> These guys were actually kind of doing it.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i guess
0: yeah yeah well when you actually have someone who's like doing fairly reasonable things and like willing to nationalize oil yeah. like when yeah, your compromise that's a candidate game.
1: says let's nationalize oil then that's
0: yeah you you know you're in a
1: good spot <laughs> <laughs> that's someone you can actually bully into doing what you want
0: they probably have some sort of moral compass <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Mossadegh did face opposition british intelligence obviously we're not a fan <laughs> of him <laughs> Totally. So they were already fucking with him by this point. MI6 agent CM Woodhouse, who was posing as a civil servant in the foreign office. uh, He was actually busy arming tribesmen in northern Iran with smuggled weapons. What the fuck? And throwing money around to buy off various factions to oppose Mossadegh and the National Front.
0: Wow. Okay. But northern, I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying. That's where, like, the jungle movement was right
1: yeah but they had collapsed and okay well yeah
0: yeah but i mean like that they had roots in like kind of a left area Mm,
1: okay yeah so that's if we look at the map i think the gilan province is more north west i want to say
0: okay so different area than north yeah
1: i believe we're talking a different area for him let me see woodhouse but it makes sense for them that's fine I mean, that's a big
0: enough region. It could be a different area.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, the opposition that he was kind of stirring up and funding and bribing became so bad that Mossadegh's government, in 1952, they were having another parliamentary election. Mm -hmm. They ended up ending that election early. Uh Before most of the rural votes where most of this fuckery had been happening could really be counted. Basically, they said, hey, foreign agents, we, you know, we we can't do this. Like, we don't know how many of you guys are walking around in brand new CIA bot or MI6 bot jackets and shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The government's argument was that this probably stopped worse shit from happening, maybe like, you know, just a legal coup, I guess.
0: It does look bad.
1: Yeah, it looks it looks pretty bad. It left a bad taste in people's mouths because of that.
0: Understandable, I guess. I said, "Oh, he's
1: just he's just shutting it down." They had just <sighs> got enough to like have a quorum, enough people there in Parliament to do anything, and the uh, National Front guys still had enough to you know pass things. So that was in 1952. He also faced challenges from the Shah after he wins a majority in that election. And goes to get appointed by the Shah for his new term. He says, hey, I want to choose my own minister of war and my own no. chief of staff. No. <laughs> the Shah says, no, no. You cannot do this. I usually do this. I'm going to continue to do this. Uh, you know, of course. Daddy said. And Mossadegh says, well, I mean, that this is fine, man. If, you, if I can't do the job that I was elected to do, I'm going home. I'm resigning. <gasps>
0: Oh, I love it. I love a petty bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he resigns. Oh, it's July shit. 1952. And the people go crazy. The <gasps> people are fucking pissed.
0: Okay. Because they liked him a lot?
1: Yeah. The National Front. And, and you know, and, and regardless of, of the election thing, and you know, I didn't really like that a lot of people, but. They liked what he was doing for the country. He was a national hero for the nationalization stuff. That was totally, yeah. Across. The Shah liked that. Like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much everyone was for that, but except for literal British people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so the National Front, pretty much all the parties, the Tudeh Party, religious groups, they all have these huge protests and strikes. People are calling for the assassination of the Shah, <laughs> like out in the street, just giving a public speech saying death to this guy like Fuck yeah just public everything's up in arms two dev was huge in this i mean they were sort of uh if you look at like the previous rallies it's probably like a third of people are two aligned versus two thirds not before this point and then after this point it's more like two thirds them like wow. they, they go to being really his guys uh, even though and i like i like this about them they're his guys, but they will still criticize him from. The, yeah, they'll still that's be like, great. He's not far left enough. Like I think that's a cool way to yeah, be. Yeah,
0: I love that. They're like, yeah, we still want him in there, but like we we want to bully him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's our guy to bully, not yours. Get your <laughs> it's own. Like my
0: cats, they defend each other.
1: <laughs> and the Shah was like, "Oh fuck, okay, it's <laughs>
0: it looks like I fucked up."
1: <laughs> it's one of the Fallout games where, when you, I forget which one it is, but the different factions. I guess this is New Vegas uh where you can do certain actions and it's like nobody liked that oh
0: yeah yeah i love saying that meme <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what he saw in his corner of his screen nobody likes nobody that
0: liked that. <laughs> All right. uh
1: so he gives in and and says fine 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 uh temporary p.m you're fired come back here most of the day. please be my please p.m take again care of you can me. appoint your guys it's okay This is like days later. He he was just like. "Hmm."
0: What a like sick move. Just be like, "Mm, okay, I'll just leave. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy dealing with everyone being mad that I left.
1: (laughs) Uh, So back in the saddle and Mm -hmm. hotter than ever. Fuck yeah. uh,
0: Everyone loves this guy.
1: Mosaddegh gets Parliament to grant him emergency powers. (gasps) Like. (laughs) <laughs> i mean palpatine style sort of yeah uh to rule by decree for six yes. months
0: okay are we getting rid of this Shah?
1: some people are thinking that that's may- maybe where this is gonna go
0: it does you know? seem like it
1: people are wondering he so he gets some stuff there done like a lot of the reforms we're talking about take place over the course of his mm-hmm. prime ministership i was just talking about him all at once he gets it extended after that for another 12 months and so then he he's doing those reforms and stuff he does start cutting back on the shah's powers
0: fuck yeah
1: uh he limits his personal budget says you got enough cars and shit Mm -hmm. man don't you think he nationalizes some of the royal lands and things that they have
0: god okay i mean maybe he's not left enough to do this but i'm like damn if you quit for like a little bit and everyone lost their shit sounds like you're more popular than the sean you could just get rid of him like i wish you'd just like fucking gone for it
1: yeah well it takes just a little bit more to push him to that level because by 1953 shit is really like he's trying to do all these reforms and stuff but he's running into the wall of the economy being so trash because of the british embargo that's happening there's there's more and more political street violence between the two groups and, and Royalist groups and, and agitators fueled by MI six and things like that. Uh, and he starts to kind of lose support in parliament because of this. And some of his supporters in parliament start resigning and that starts adding up. Uh, he ends up jailing dozens of his political opponents who are suspected of working with foreign agents, uh, which is, I mean, that's likely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, upsetting still to people to see that Uh, so in July things are seemingly maybe closing in Uh, he announces a referendum that is a referendum put it to the people do you want to dissolve parliament and just have his government run things
0: oh kind of an intense ask
1: (laughs) I think it's yeah I think it's interesting because this is maybe not so intense of an ask in month three of your emergency decree
0: Maybe yeah, maybe it's like, "Hey, did you like what I did?"
1: <laughs> yeah, 3-month <three> trial. <laughs> what would you think? I just, you know, built a bunch of housing for you guys. That just, just did the, you know, like, right? Like, do it then. That would, that that could work. Really? I guess
0: so. Yeah. I guess I'm viewing it more from like a, you know, democratic level of like, why don't why wouldn't you just be like, "Okay, can we agree on like a new constitution or like could we get rid of the Shah or something like that?" But like, I don't know. Just it's a little weird
1: there are people who were suspecting that the next step after this referendum was going to be move to take down the show makes sense to me
0: honestly yeah i and don't know why he's still fucking there would be
1: good yeah i i think it was not a not wouldn't not be a problem bad it, idea. right yeah so they hold the referendum august 3rd through august 10th i think 3rd is in the capital 10th by 10th they have it everywhere uh and it goes well, it goes overwhelmingly in favor of Mossadegh. Maybe a little too overwhelmingly. Uh-oh. The battle- balloting wasn't secret, first of all. It was just like, a go in that booth if you want it, go in that booth if you don't sort of thing. <laughs> you know, so everybody knew and Kinda, you had yeah. roaming street bands and stuff. Maybe not
0: Ooh, the safest
1: environment, the no, fairest environment. I don't love that. we say overwhelmingly, this was a 99% <laughs> affair. Now, here's the interesting thing. One can say, Mosadek, man, I mean, make it look real.
0: He was really popular.
1: Sure. Maybe it looks like he really kind of rigged it because he was,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: playing around or whatever. But uh, we were talking earlier how MI6 was down there Uh-oh. throwing money around and stuff. By this point, the CIA was also uh, ready to do things, too. There was speculation that possibly one or both of those agencies had a hand in, like, fucking with the elections in Mossadegh's favor. Why? To make it look Look shady, more illegitimate, so that they can. Oh. You're about to tell. They're they're going to use this against him as Mm -hmm. pretext for what they do.
0: Okay. Okay. That is really interesting
1: so it's possible it's kind of a weird strategy because you are helping the guy that you're immediately <laughs> doing, but but then you're kind of helping to set him up so that's a maybe i didn't see a lot on that but anyway let's get to the actual actual coup let's launch
0: <laughs> we had an hour prologue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah all right but the coup itself actually pretty quick so
0: oh okay yeah. i mean most coups probably are it'd be weird if you had a super long coup it sounds like you maybe failed
1: The longest coup. Now this one takes four days. The longest
0: coup is like a fucking Jack Ryan novel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's like a it's a romance. Um, Ooh, like the the wedding or the marriage is referred to the longest coup, referred to as the longest coup or something like that.
0: Ooh, okay, okay, I like that. Like a Regency romance.
1: Yeah, that's a hard genres to tie together.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) jack ryan regency (laughs) romance
1: yeah (laughs) hard mashup all right so by this point things had changed up till now the british were doing a little bit of fuckery with mi6 but really to to do the whole thing to get really get rid of Mossadegh, they wanted american help of course and up to this point they had been rebuffed president truman Credit where credit is due. The man did kill uh, lots and lots of civilians with the only use of atomic weapons (sighs) against humans.
0: Yeah, I I don't typically give a lot of compliments to Harry S. Truman.
1: But he thought that using the CIA to knock over elected governments would set a dangerous precedent.
0: (laughs) No, it's a one time thing, right? We're never going to do this again
1: he was like where have i heard this one before (laughs) so he said no and and the british couldn't convince him
0: restraint maybe he felt bad because of all the genocide
1: maybe probably not i think he slept soundly on that front (laughs) (laughs) uh but this changes when dwight d eisenhower takes office in 1953 he had no such qualms regarding the cia and the British had no trouble convincing him that Iran was, you know, just two steps away just from a worst. communist takeover.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Eisenhower, for his part, was already seeing, you know, Red Scare shit everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. He was horny for it.
1: And Iran, I mean, we, we went over its history. It has its own kind of convincing aspects in that regard. It's not unheard
0: um, of in the region.
1: Yeah, you have the Tudai party literally in the streets uh you have the the soviet history there in terms of involvement with iran uh, okay makes makes sense from that cold war perspective i think for the british they were just using the us in that regard i don't really think they cared too much about the cold war <laughs> aspect so much about the oil money
0: yeah yeah so was the soviet union like friends with them at this point or no they were buying their oil
1: yeah they liked the tudor party But they were not really friends with Mossadegh. Uh, Okay, okay. And Mossadegh didn't really like them either. He was fairly anti-communist as far as like the Soviet Union goes. Like he didn't want to be...
0: He didn't want to be them or join them.
1: Yeah, his sort of view on it was more in line with how they were characterized in the West of if I join with them, I'm going to be their puppet.
0: Mm, Okay, he wanted more an independent thing.
1: Right, so he would have been more a fan of the non-aligned sort of...
0: I understand given the history of, of, you know, foreign powers in Iran, like you'd, you'd be sus to like, you'd be kind of silly to invite another guy in, like, come back in, man. Like, I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, from our perspective, we like to try to push back against the anybody working with the Soviets as a puppet of them. But you're right. I can see their point of view on that being.
0: We uh, just got y'all white people out of (laughs) here.
1: Right. we, We don't want this again. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if it's a different, you know, type of government, a different type of relationship, not as not exploitative in term, but we trying solidarity. to self determination here, right? And it was interesting too. I mean, he had reasons to be suspicious of it. Tude Party, for example, they were very and they were very pro, you know, nationalization and everything. But they did want to give very generous concessions to the Soviet Union arguing that this would not be exploitative but would be international so you know socialist solidarity Mm, sort of
0: thing, okay okay you know
1: and and again it comes down to that like okay yeah we can see intellectually where that would be you know could be justified but it's hard to sell that from when you have a history of colonization exploitation
0: totally totally
1: you can't just step in and be like yeah well we want all your stuff you know well what are we going to get in return would be the right response to that you know we need equipment industrialization stuff like maybe then yeah but Not just for free. (laughs) So anyway, the British, they're selling this narrative about the communism angle, but they're just trying to get their oil money. They want to get their big buff little bro in the game to (laughs) tear him up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they succeed. March 1953, two months into his presidency, Eisenhower authorizes covert action to oust Mossadegh in Iran.
0: Okay, here we go. Coup time.
1: (laughs) Gets his secretary of state, friend of the show, John Foster Dulles.
0: Fucking Dulles.
1: He gets on the phone with his little bro, Alan Dulles, head of the CIA.
0: Those brothers, they might be my time travel moment. I go back and I just, I get their mom's (laughs) tubes tied or something.
1: (laughs) They were terrible. (laughs) tells them hey alan figure out the details we want to get this Mossadegh guy so the next month they earmark a million dollars for the purpose and they start running a propaganda campaign teaming up with their buddies over in mi6 each side came up with their own little cute name for their operation
0: oh let's hear the nicknames the code names
1: the british called theirs operation boot
0: that's not cute at all i mean i guess it's a little on the nose like we're giving him the boot
1: <laughs> yeah or we're stomping them with the boot i couldn't Mm -hmm. decide which one was better you know we're the heavy boot of imperialism or
0: (laughs) it's a little (laughs) self-aware
1: in the u.s they called theirs operation ajax
0: see that's a lot cooler we're better at naming things
1: (laughs) uh the chief architect of operation ajax was a cia guy named donald wilbur and uh his point man for this was a fellow named Kermit Roosevelt.
0: Those sound like some puppet ass names. Donald Wilbur.
1: <laughs> yeah. Donald Wilbur and Kermit Roosevelt.
0: Like those sounds like, like Donald's Donald Duck and like Kermit's like full names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kermit is secretly, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's grandson. Uh, cause Kermit, roosevelt Kermit is that's right, actually that's, right. That. that's
0: right i have heard this name before he's been on the show before right not long. i
1: feel okay. like it yeah if only i just mentioned him in passing about this because it's ridiculous that he's mm-hmm. just like fucking around here <laughs> uh he's like the cia's point man in this okay the guy on the ground cool in tehran fucking shit up and the coup plan here was simple you're going to convince the Shah to dismiss Mosaddegh from office, to replace him with a different prime minister, and roll back the nationalization. Easy. easy Anyone easy. can do that. Uh, the catch is that the Shah was too scared to do so.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you f- you fired, or not fired, but the guy resigns for like a week and everyone loses their fucking shit.
1: Yeah, he's like, um, no, no. <laughs>
0: that guy's real popular.
1: I don't want to do that again. So the solution they came up with, very clever American solution to this, bribe the Shah and his family until they (gasps) give in. Okay. Just ply them with cash and stuff. Okay.
0: Wouldn't like Mosaddegh notice like, hey, I thought I said no new cars.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So they're hoping he doesn't notice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great strat.
1: So Kermit starts his bribe campaign here. Uh, he has these secret meetings, so, like sneaks out of the car uh, of the of his compound or the embassy or whatever, like in, laying down in the car seat covered in a blanket sort of thing. So people God. don't see him.
0: real fucking Tony Soprano move <laughs> over here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he has these secret meetings with the cowardly Shaw. And he's like, hey, man, you can do it. Talking him up, you know, and he he plies him with millions of dollars (gasps) in cash.
0: Holy shit. We're just pouring money into this guy. Okay,
1: come on, come on. We'll support you, you know. And he also uh, worked on his sister as well. Uh, She was way more like argumentative and and forceful than the Shah was. Uh, But she was sort of a political figure as well, you know. So they, you know, also tried to bribe bribing her with cash and a mink coat and all this Jesus, saying, come on, you know, these are, this is sort of a support you can expect from the, from the U S just go with us here. Cool. And finally they were able to convince them that this would work, that they'd get the full backing of the U S and once Mossadegh had taken power to dissolve parliament and they feared that the next step would be bye bye Shah. the Shah was like, okay, 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 fine. I'll agree to support the coup. He's always been very indecisive. So this was like a, a big jump for him, you know? So August 15th, 1953, they launched the coup. They dropped the documents that say, uh, Hey, we're firing Mossadegh. We're appointing general Fazlala Sahedi to be prime minister. The Shah says, great, good documents. He signs them. He fucks off to the countryside for a vacation. And, they send the commander of the Imperial Guard to take the papers to Mosaddegh, intending to arrest him.
0: <gasps> okay.
1: So this is the coup, right? Uh, so they, 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 he walks off with the papers. I'm going to go fire slash arrest Mosaddegh, is what he's thinking. And surprise, infiltrators from the Tudeh party
0: <gasps>
1: have gotten into the military and have tipped off Mosaddegh.
0: Oh, shit. Okay, so what does he do?
1: So he's ready, and he tells the guy when he gets there, he's like, hey, man, fuck off, and has him arrested instead. (gasps) That's sick. He's like, this is an illegal order. You're under arrest. Does all this, you know? yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. Boom.
1: And it's, I mean, the coup is a total flop. Mossadegh has dozens of coup plotters arrested and imprisoned. His supporters take to the streets, outraged at the failed coup attempt, and (laughs) determined not to let you know foreigners take back over their country
0: this guy's too popular
1: yeah the Tudeh party is out there you know being enforcers in this in this sort of uh demonstration and everything and and sick yeah it's this huge it's this huge turnaround and the shah flees he was already on vacation northern in northern uh, (laughs) iran he flees to baghdad (laughs)
0: he's like actually this sucks
1: yeah he's like wow wow, that that fucked up uh he's flown out to italy and everything looks like it's under control Uh uh-oh it looks like it's well in hand most says whoo man that was close (laughs) talks to supporters and says all right guys we did it go home relax put something you know put some good music on the radio <laughs> it's okay the country's safe again and so everyone you know they're relieved the two death party they go home you know they're not on high alert anymore regular people they go home everything's fine
0: uh-oh was that a secret secret coup is that a false front
1: uh not a not a false start here uh not not a not a actual fake Uh, by the end of the day that so that's august 16th everything is lost the cia sends a telegram to kermit saying hey dumbass you fucked all of that up get out of there immediately
0: you should probably go
1: and like any good cowboy american he said yeah whatever
0: What's his next fucking move?
1: The alternative explanation is that MI6 deliberately like delayed the message somehow. Oh. I couldn't tell how they did that, but I saw one source say that, yeah, they did that.
0: That'd be cool. I mean, not cool, but kind of funny.
1: In any case, Mr. Kermit decides oh, to go for a fateful round two.
0: Oh, shit. Okay.
1: And yeah, what is his new plan? His new plan is paid protesters.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's happened before.
1: <laughs> so that's so so that's the new plan. August 19th, he's hired imposters to pretend that they are Tude Party members to organize a communist revolution to go take to the streets and start doing riots. And they recruit real Tude Party members to join in like hey, let's go do this. Let's go take the streets. And they start rioting and looting and vandalizing and all this.
0: You know, what communists do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tip Your typical communists.
0: <laughs> uh, that's how I spend all my free time anyway.
1: <laughs> Kermit deliberately paid his infiltrators to attack symbols of the Shah and the monarchy and shit. Which still were kind of revered as this sort of patriotic mm, okay. symbolism
0: weird but sure
1: (laughs) and they were supposed to do this while like shouting pro mosadex slogans
0: Mm, okay so trying to make him look evil basically yeah
1: yeah trying to antagonize people right next they need some heroes so he hires some vigilantes cool he's got to get the other mob the rival mob (laughs) all right this time the people are going to be mobilized by these two uh gangsters that he bought okay. off uh one i only have a nickname for
0: <laughs> i can't wait
1: i see ramadan okay the other guy i have his name and his nickname uh shaban jafari his nickname brainless shaban
0: <laughs> oh, what a nickname okay what a power couple
1: so dummy thick brainless shabon love it these guys notorious violent you know organized crime guys yeah cia says great you're our kind of people
0: (laughs) i love that violence you do i'm very into it
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh and so they were like okay you're gonna be supporters of the shah you're gonna go in there you know and go to battle against these communist moms that we also paid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a full play. Yeah. So they're they're going to be, you know, terrified of like the communist revolution and all the crazy violence. So they're just going to do what they have to do to stand up to that sort of thing. That's their role. So they get these large crowds of of their of people that they pay off and really regular citizens start joining <laughs> in with that too, because of all the antagonizing that was going on with the other group they get clubs and shit and they go join them i mean there's a big basically pitch street battle out there and the would be prime minister you know the one the shah tried to fire Mossadegh for and and replace him with Zahedi this is a general he sends the army out to go after the Tudeh party their demonstrators and storm all the government buildings while you're at it i mean you know just just storm all the government buildings uh, they have one of the tanks fire into Mosadek's house. Fuck. And he, you know, flees and ends up turning himself into custody, giving up basically to prevent more bloodshed.
0: Yeah. Oh, my cause, gosh.
1: Because shit falls apart. Basically, his main error, once it gets to the coup coming off sort of point, is sending everybody home.
0: Well, he wasn't expecting fucking cowboy Kermit to keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that was a, a curveball apparently even by the cia's own records
0: <laughs> they're like uh okay i guess we did it <laughs> you know
1: and that it worked too you know because there's no i mean like that there's not really necessarily that that's going to actually that does require a lot of people to be like hey you know what yeah let's do that
0: so <laughs> you
1: know it's not just purely his machinations but i mean it's not gonna happen without him doing that yeah yeah so, he had
0: a lot of money to fire around
1: by the end of the day Zahedi and the army were in control. And when <laughs> when he learned that the people had risen up to oust Mosaddegh, the Shah was reported to have chokingly declared, I knew they loved me.
0: Oh my God, you weren't even fucking there.
1: Yeah, and he has this pretty stupid idea the whole time he's Shah that he's completely beloved. Oh my God, what a dumbass. So when it all falls apart, He's like, he just go. he's like depressed basically because he
0: <laughs> didn't realize
1: that everyone hated him, you know?
0: Oh my God.
1: Uh, but like 200 to 300 people are killed in the violence of Jesus. the coup in 1953. Sort of the aftermath, the, we're not going to go too much into detail here because you could just keep talking until the present <laughs> day. Uh-huh. It's a, it's all a chain of events, but the Shah having been. Having oustered his uh, nemesis here and put into place the guy he wants starts cracking down on opposition and he centralizes power for himself. The prime minister that he appoints, you know, is just like, hey, that's cool. You're in charge now. And from then on, parliament is just his rubber stamp. Uh, Mossadegh is arrested, convicted of treason and sentenced to death. Fuck. The Shah. Commuted that sentence to three years of solitary confinement in prison, three years of torture, and house arrest for life. So does get killed um, but does get three years does of does get of tortured torture, so
0: yeah Jesus and then house arrest. Jesus
1: uh, many of Mossadegh's closest allies though uh, were executed. Uh, many more leaders of the national front were arrested. Uh, some of them were just in prison, some were tortured, some were executed. The Tudeh party especially faced uh, the ire of the Shah. They, they are just completely decimated. Thousands of them are rounded up and, and executed or tortured or imprisoned. Same thing. Oh, God. Just well, very widespread. Those guys are like eliminated from being a meaningful party for a long time. The Shah also said, "While well, I'm at it, you know, I'm really trying to mop up here. Uh, let's <laughs> institute a secret police force."
0: Oh, cool, cool! So,
1: starts up a brutal secret police force called Savak. It's like an acronym. What does it stand for, Savak? Well, it's just you know, in um, in Farsi, I suppose, intelligence and security organization of the country. Boring. Okay, uh, so secret police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That'll make you beloved for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. Not to mention that they're, you know, brutal in terms of their tactics, using torture on suspected dissidents, uh, monitoring people, doing censorship, all this sort of stuff. They executed around 100 political prisoners uh, during his reign. So brutal stuff. Yeah. And the oil outcome, right? (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the whole reason this thing started, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The oil outcome was interesting because Britain doesn't really get 100% of what they wanted.
0: Okay, what happens with the oil?
1: Well, so they lose their monopoly. They have to kind of cut in cut in the Americans and the French too.
0: What the fuck were the French doing?
1: Oh, and the Dutch. Um they I think the US just wanted like not the British to have everything. So mm, Okay. Uh, 5 US companies Along with Royal Dutch Shell and a French company, they all get in on the game. The percentage for Iran, I do believe, goes up. Not to the 50-50%, I don't think. Uh, But Iran does end up raking in a ton of money from this.
0: Because the embargo's lifted, though. It's not because this is actually good for them.
1: Right. So it's still exploitative, but they are able to do a ton of development afterward. And a ton of them, what we would call modernization. Uh, the Shah uh, institutes something called the White Revolution.
0: Oh, what is that?
1: So this sounds really bad.
0: <laughs> it does sound bad.
1: Because uh, generally, if there's a white, there's a red. <laughs> We're always on the red side, and it's, it's not good to do you know the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very authoritarian. You know, the Shah is completely in charge of everything. Uh, but it's a series of reforms of society trying to basically modernize Iran and in a way do some social redistribution, some land reform and things like that in a very controlled class dominated way. They did expand a lot of uh, infrastructure. They did a lot of, um, Well, they did some positive things in terms of, like, women's rights and things like that. Literacy efforts. I mean, you could call them literacy campaigns, really. It was just all centralized through the Shah and his regime, though. So it wasn't, like, a popular democratic thing at all. But it had some of those advances. It was fueled by all this money coming in from the new economy and everything. It wasn't, like, as oil-dominant as, like a true what you call like a petro state, right? Uh it's not like a hundred percent of that. But one a couple things for the Shah that are just untenable in the long term. Or a few things rather. One is that there, you know, this is a this is a uh not this is not a democracy autocracy, right? So the people are completely held down oppressed, but hey you get some nice stuff. If you're rich enough. Because <laughs> two is the inequality. I mean there's that's mm-hmm. still there. Right? Uh there's The religious aspect is that he's, in terms of modernizing, he's very not, like, going for fundamentalist religious standpoints, which which pisses off large portions of the population, which will eventually boil over in the revolution. And there's the stain that he cannot escape, which he's just earned in this episode, which is that he was put there by a foreign power.
0: Yeah, like, you have to everyone knows right
1: yeah all the money in the world is not going to fix that he can never actually escape from being seen as a puppet yeah the american puppet the british puppet he's a foreigner so i mean eventually that does lead to the regime's downfall that and his extreme extravagance all this it's very it's a very um american problem to create is to think <laughs> oh we we just solved it all look at that we put the guy in there and boy isn't he doing a great job look at him look at him go and not see those underlying contradictions that are going to explode later you know
0: yeah like you you set up the most unstable government possible
1: <laughs> yeah but in such a subtle way that it really you know it does look uh, come on it's like our country it does look like it's functioning it does look like it's prosperous like it's making a ton of money I and mean, people talking. We're talking about Iran being like, you know, a fully developed industrialized country in a matter of, you know, a decade or something. They were like, wow. it's, it's going to be one of the big ones. And that didn't happen because they couldn't see past that facade of uh, the glittery, you know, top.
0: Yeah. Like, what's your metric of success, you know? And if it's if it's profit, then like, yeah, you did it. You got some more profit for you and your buddies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we won't get into past that. Just suffice to say, this is, this is what sets up Iran for that.
0: Totally. Oh, now I want to do terminal. another episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can, I mean, there's, there's stuff to go, get into there. I want to maybe save it for later. It's a lot to research. I I was surprised to find as much com I thought this was going to be like primarily crimes of capitalism stuff, but there was so much of that kind of communist and socialist, uh, inner workings that was tied into this that I found, you know, fascinating.
0: Yeah, I, I did too. I, I was not expecting that particular stripe. Like I knew there was communism involved in Iran and like, I knew like they had kind of a history of it, but um, yeah, I was, I was surprised by those like very small movements, but like small, but seemed to be kind of effective in their own way. Their kind of frenemy relationship with the Soviet Union I found interesting and I don't know. Mossadegh was really like a cool guy. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, if you're going to have to have a guy in charge of like a bourgeois government, like that's a good one to have.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You could do worse. Fucking
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. So some lessons we can take from the experience. We talked about a few in the episode. One thing I think that we should point out is that in, in more modern times, us officials have, somewhat done as mea culpa ish as they can, <laughs> you know, as, as people like Madeline Albright can, who are like, yeah, it was worth bombing children in Iraq, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, these people have a very limited capacity for they They've sort of walked back and said, Hey, maybe we should not have done all of what we did in Iran in the past. Right. I still think that even though they, a lot of them kind of agree that they got, the details wrong here i think they still operate in the same basic logic of capital that'll still guide them to the same place exploit 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 right
0: yeah they're not going to do the same method of like you know let's <laughs> let's fail at a coup and then do another one real quick like <laughs> ideally they don't do that i'm sure they still fucking will but
1: yeah but yeah they still have to uh endlessly exploit to just to survive as a class and they have states that are going to do that and they're going to do whatever they have to do to make it happen. I mean, they call it different things. Now they have different justifications. They'll say, Oh, regime change or sanctions or nation building or supporting democracy, but they're after imperialism. They, I mean, they have to be.
0: Yeah. And like, I found it super telling when they, you know, potentially rigged that election to create An unfair election so they could then point out and be like, look what they did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So if they could do it then, where else have they fucking done that?
1: (laughs) Right. And it's kind of very upsetting, honestly, because it's... Then you don't even know. Mm -hmm. Wait, did you guys... (laughs) Did he do that? Did you do that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's shitty. I also... I thought it was funny, not haha, but funny, interesting. Um, how the <laughs> the British were able to play off of like American insecurities so easily, just like, can you do this for us?
1: <laughs> communism, guys, communism.
0: Ooh, scary! <laughs>
1: <laughs> they like put on a big scary mask, Ooh, like a Joseph <laughs> Stalin mask something, and they're like, ah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <I> got you. <laughs> Thanks. Now now I have your attention. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you do you want that to actually happen? If not. <laughs> Yeah, I think another thing to me is it's yet another example of the need for leftists in imperialist countries to always be suspicious of your own government.
0: Totally, yeah. Like, who put them there and why?
1: Yeah, when, when the news media that routinely criticizes various countries, you know, the scapegoats that they've got and the government, they, they, they always agree with who's the bad countries. They'll argue about everything else, all the culture issues, all the economics, domestic stuff. But when you get to the bad countries, they're going to be lockstep. When there's uprisings there, there's probably some sort of genuine thing happening, right? In in the story we were just telling about Iran, when they pay the protesters, there's real people showing up too, right? Yeah,
0: and like you wouldn't have been able to... That wouldn't be believable unless there was some kernel of truth in there.
1: Right, yeah. So that's that's what it's playing off of. But you, you also need to be suspicious of in what ways is your government secretly involved or, or doing something to influence that. You've got to be kind of trying to be aware of that. It's not to say that, like, everything's answerable by conspiracies, because I think that kind of disarms us in a way, too, of like, well, it's all out of our control. But... It's to say there's usually a message of some sort that the government and that media and and just re- in the regular legacy sort of sense is trying to steer you in. Like they, they want you to get one narrative and you have to try to step back and use a class analysis, know your history to figure out what what is actually going on here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it's important when you hear lots of narratives happening and being built by the media and paid for by certain people to step back and say like, okay, who benefits from this? And like, who, who is hurt by this? And, you know, this counts for domestic issues as well. You know, like let's, let's look at the coverage. Let's look at the language to see, you know, long-term what their plans are.
1: Yeah. All right. I think we're about done there on time. Don't want to keep you guys any longer.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my one final thing, I would have gotten rid of the Shaw sooner.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, it really didn't occur to me until we were going through the timeline of, like, the moment to dissolve Parliament and run things and then, like, quickly, that that was all then. Like, Like if you're
0: going to dissolve Parliament, dissolve that guy, too. Like, what are you still doing here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think at that point it should have been pull the trigger and go with it is...
0: Yeah, you're way more popular.
1: Don't wait till the economy falls apart and you got street battles. Like, do it right after they put you in office, after the big mobs of people put you in office.
0: Yeah, you have the power. Take it. Like, I think that's one of my big takeaways. Maybe it was the wrong one that I heard. It's, it's when you have the power, fucking take it.
1: Yeah, the the guy seizing the Soviet leader by the <laughs> lapels. Take power, you son of a bitch.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, that goes for you guys. When the time comes, take power. We're going to grab you by the lapels.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, like we talk about this in terms of like electoralism versus revolution. Like if you have enough people to do that, like you're fucking good. Just fucking go for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the old, you know, we said this repeatedly, right? If you've got enough support to change the constitution to be socialist, like, okay, well, Throw I mean. Throw the
0: whole man out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got enough to do more than that.
0: Okay, so let's talk shop for a second here. As listeners may know, we've been debating internally and asking for feedback on a potential new format uh, just to give us a little more time to research. Don't worry, show's not going anywhere. We have a big old dock full of topics, um, but we just like to give ourselves enough time to research and do a good job. What our plan is, as of today, when you're hearing this, is we are going to move to shooting the shit Every other week. So these are just a lot looser, easier to edit, easier to prep for because you don't really prep. You just you talk about your feelings for a while in the mic. We're going to, you know, just do, do some classic podcasting.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to come <laughs> up with like episode titles, clever stuff like that. You oh, know?
0: shit. Yeah, we can't just name it. Whatever the fuck. Okay. We're going to be
1: shooting the shit.
0: Volume, 199, whatever. that nine. That'll be really annoying. Okay. Um, I got to figure that out. Sure. It <laughs> just says you're art. listening
1: to, I think you pull one, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to pull, like, that was funny. I'll put that as a title. Okay.
1: I like it. I think it'll be cool. You should uh, check it out. You know, save up. If you want to wait till summer, save up and then jump on that subscription. Then, and reminder for those of you thinking about that, all that goes to mutual aid yeah it ain't for us (laughs) yeah we're we're sending that on to the comrades there
0: yes yes so hopefully we can make some big moves i actually a new food pantry just opened up in my neighborhood so i'm actually gonna check that out soon oh nice so yeah hopefully we can start supporting them directly and i can like do something nice in my neighborhood
1: dude dope
0: yeah okay so yeah all that being said next week is shooting the shit y'all get all right. ready for it
1: we will catch you then all right bye
0: bye hey there comrades just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media we are on twitter at teach communism instagram at teach me communism you can shoot us an email that's teach at gmail.com any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube. If that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon for five bucks a month. You get access to our notes for each week's episode including the backlog of notes which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies and at the end of the year all of the funds from patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the dfw area so ain't gonna line our pockets finally we have merch check us out at t public you can find shirts and i believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.